If adventure is your middle name, this is the tour for you. All right, you junior space rangers, listen up. Green Squadron will retrieve the power cells, while the rest of you concentrate on those robots. friend and welcome to the WW Radio Show, your passport to the Disney parks, experiences and more. I am your host Lou Mangello and this is show number 765 and together as we have been since 2004 when I wrote my first trivia book I want to help you have not just the best possible Disney vacation experience when you go to the parks, but I also want to bring you a little bit of that Disney magic wherever you are here on the podcast, my weekly live video every Wednesday night on Facebook blog, events, weekly newsletter, and much more. Please join the community and find everything at www.radio.com. And this week, with a little help from my friends, I want to take you on a virtual tour and full review of our WW Radio Nat Geo Danube River Cruise. We'll share the differences and advantages of river cruising versus ocean cruising, including the intimate atmosphere of our river cruise ship, the Ama Waterways Viola, the blend of food and culture and history on board and in ports, the Christmas markets, seasonal magic and stunning sights, from Nat Geo's engaging presentations and photography workshops to the festive and fascinating activities and unique Choose your own adventure style excursions. We'll explore the unique charm of river cruising that left us yearning to relive it all and plan our next WDW Radio adventure. Then see if you can answer this week's Walt Disney World trivia question of the week for a chance to win a Disney prize package. And stay tuned for more updates at the end of the show. And if you like what you hear, please share the show and tell a friend. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. been a fan, a huge fan of cruising for years. Possibly, I guess it's really decades even. And when I didn't think that cruising could get any better, I then started doing cruises with not just my immediate family, but my extended family, which is you. Going way back to 2007 was our first group cruise. And there's been so much that we have been able to see, do, eat, and experience together over the years doing cruises on Disney Cruise Line. But then I started to hear about something called a river cruise. And then I started to hear nothing but really good things about a river cruise. And so finally, it was time, not just to try one for and by myself, but to invite you, my family, to do it together. Because whether it's on the high seas in the Caribbean, in Alaska, or finally on a river cruise, It is best when it is shared with friends. And so just a few weeks ago in December 2023, we set out on our first, nor shall it be the last, WDW Radio River Cruise with our Nat Geo Expedition on the Danube to and through the Christmas markets. And this week, we're going to explore and share 
that experience with you and some of the friends and family members that joined us. So I would like to welcome, I have no particular order. I can't go alphabetically. I'll just do ladies first. I'd like to welcome back, not just on board, literally and figuratively to the cruise and the show, Beatrice Dennis. Hello. It's a pleasure to be back and especially talking about this specific vacation, which I have been cheering for for many years. So this has been an (laughs) incredible experience and I'm happy to be here. I am so happy to have you. And we'll talk about some of your costume changes and choices (laughs) while we're on board as well. Nobody has more fun than Beatrice, other than maybe Lori Oliveri, who we've been friends for a long time. You've been a mouse fan travel advisor for a long time, and we have done many, many cruises on the high seas and most recently on the shallow seas. So Lori Oliveri, welcome back. Hi, thank you. Excited to be here. Lori was not. Well, actually, Lori was in costume. We'll get to that, too. Uh, also returning to the uh, to the show is Lisa Donato from I keep wanting to call it core memory. It's the Castle Run and Thousand Circles dot com. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk about the trip. And of course, well, I'm going to go out of order a little bit. Uh, I want to welcome. I think, John, this is your this is your first time. Certainly not the first time we have vacationed together but possibly the first time on the show, John Maloney. Uh, guten Tag and Vigay and see. Uh, I, I was with you on the, the Italy show. Oh, that's right. That's right. See, they, as you start to get older like me, they like you start to lose track. And of course, none of this could happen, literally, because she would not let it happen without Becky Mankin from Mouse Fan Travel. You already had to start. Well, no, I mean, literally, like it couldn't. I, this, I, my, this, this, no, no, this was, that was actually a this, compliment. Especially this It one. was a compliment because I'm going to beat you to the punch because I know you're going to reinforce at least once. See? And then you'd hit me in the shoulder, say, see, I told you how good river cruising was so long, and you finally did it, and you're right. Um, you not only convinced yeah. me, but we convinced a lot of people to come and join with us on our first WDW Radio River Cruise, which again shall not be the last. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I started river cruising about six or seven years ago, and I remember coming back from that and thinking, "This is the perfect situation for a group." And I'm sure that we will talk all about why it's perfect for a group. But I'm so glad you listened. <laughs> see, see, I knew that even though I gave it to her, she had to make sure she got in there. That I'm happy that you listened. Put in there, of course. Um, other than, excuse me, Becky, I think, Lori, you've river cruised on, you've done actually done this itinerary before. Has anybody else done a river cruise before this? No. Not me. So, no, this is my so let's sort of talk uh, about that, right? This idea of river cruising, having come from sort of a world of, of doing Disney cruises and, and some other cruise lines as well. What was it about this that was attractive to you, right? Why Why did you book this cruise? Um, obviously, you know, there's there's the group aspect of it, but what sort of were your 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 thoughts or what was sort of attractive about the group cruise for you first? Anybody who wants to sort of jump in, feel free. So when I travel, I generally like to see the world. And so while I love a good ocean liner cruise and relaxing and going to the buffet, there's something about really seeing the world when you travel that's awesome. And so this was sort of the best of both worlds, or at least that's what it seemed like it was going to be. And and that certainly played out as far as being able to have a trip that's really destination focused and seeing a part of the world that I've never seen before, but like a snail, like sort of being able to travel with your house on your back. Um, as you go and not having to relocate over and over again. And, you know, obviously the ship itself was wonderful. 
Um, and also mention quickly that we had the Nat Geo experts with us, especially somebody who was um, specializing in photography. And I know that's a personal interest of a lot of ours, mine as well. And so having an expert along that could sort of talk us through that element of things was really cool too. For me, I was celebrating my 50th birthday this year and being born in Germany, I wanted to get back to that country for at least part of my 50th year. And we ended there. So um, that was my highlight. The places that we visited were all east of where I had been as a child. So I was going to see new things. And some of the places were on my list of places I wanted to see. So as Lisa said, it was great to be able to not have to pack up and move. We you know, moved with our room along the way. So it was it was perfect in every aspect of what I was hoping for. John, what about for you? It, for me, it was the locations, the, the variety of the locations and going with this group. This group makes a big difference. And the fact that it was Christmas markets, I, I really wanted to experience the Christmas markets and, and was not let down. So all of that combined with getting a chance to try a river cruise. And Lori, this, you had done this itinerary before, right? You did a little bit of, you followed the, uh, the right, the way to do it of doing a little bit of research before you actually took your family and your friends on board, but it was the same itinerary. It was the same itinerary, but backwards. So the one I did in May, we started in the Passau Munich area and then we went down to Budapest. So that one was more, um, History filled, no Christmas markets, obviously, because it was in May. Yeah, the, the, the Christmas markets was obviously a, a huge selling point. And again, when I talked about how I had not only heard really good things about river cruising itself, but specifically the Christmas markets, like this is the time of year to go because there is this sort of added element and layer on top of what is already an amazing experience. So let's sort of talk about sort of our expectations going in, not just for the cruise itself in terms of looking at the destinations, but the cruise experience as a whole, because this is, and it's not a bad thing, it's very, very different than an ocean cruise, which is I think what sometimes makes people either a little hesitant and or a little bit excited. Um, This is a Nat Geo expedition. So Nat Geo partnered with Ama Waterways to do this Danube River cruise on, when we say it's a ship, it it is very, very, like I said, distinct and different from an ocean liner. This is a 158 passenger ship that was built uh, about seven years ago. It was built built in 2016, where, you know, it's, it's this wonderful and interesting balance because for Disney Cruise Line, for me, the ship has always been the star, right? I, I go usually for the ships, especially for the Caribbean ports. I think the exception is Alaska. But here, they really focus on the destinations and the sense of immersion that you get both on board and when you go through the different ports. That's layered on top with the Nat Geo aspect. Um, they provide, like you mentioned, not just the Nat Geo photographer, but a Nat Geo regional expert who talks about the history and the current culture of some of the places that we visit. Um, And then you sort of have that, the photographer sort of layered on top to help you capture those, whether you bring your giant DSLR or you just bring the phone, uh, the the camera that is in your pocket, which is the phone. Um, Talk to me about, again, because I think a lot of people haven't sort of done the river cruising before, especially coming from Disney Cruise Line, anybody who wants to pop in, 
Tell me your thoughts about going from sort of, quote unquote, traditional ocean cruising to your thoughts and expectations of what this cruise was going to be and what it was that was interesting and attractive to you. Can we talk a moment first about what river cruising isn't? For just a quick second, um, the expectations about river cruising in general, a lot of people come at it thinking you have to be 80 years old or older to go on a river cruise. Um, let's go ahead and dispel that rumor right away. Uh, a lot of people don't think about doing river cruises because of that fact. When you do add something like Nat, uh, Nat Geo on top of it, it does tend to uh, pique our interests a little bit more because of the the inclusion of the photographer and, um, and the history as well. But river cruising is now starting to reach out to the masses. So you're not going to find um, a theater on board. You're not going to find a uh, um, a casino or those type of distractions, which I think is one of the reasons why I love it so much because there are, there is some entertainment, there's some great food, but it's mainly, like you said, focused on the destination itself. So during the day you pull up to port, you get out, you do your excursions, you come back on board, you have dinner. Um, and then you have the evening to spend with everybody in that, uh, get to know you type atmosphere rather than having all the distractions. So I think that's one of the reasons why personally I was drawn to it. Um, after I sailed, because at the very beginning, like I said, it was kind of that, Oh, I have to go on a river cruise. Is that, you know, only for old people? I know I keep saying that, <laughs> but it, um, it, it really is a unique experience. That's hard to put into words. Yeah. And I think river cruising too, Becky is not something that is as widely known about, or certainly I think widely advertised. Like I didn't sort of really know that river cruising was a thing. And I think my original preconceptions of it were, were like, you, it wasn't just the age thing, but I think sort of very off in terms of what it was, who it was for and what the experience was like, which is why I'm sort of curious as to everyone else before you got on board, before you experienced it, before you did a little bit more research, what your your thoughts were, what your expectations were, um, and what you were sort of hoping to, to get from this experience and how it might differ than in an ocean cruise. A lot of people only thought of the commercials on PBS as being a river cruise. I think a lot of people were only introduced that way, and it's just till recently that we're starting to see other lines like AMA and Avalon um, come into the mainstream. One thing that I liked about it well, was I think that the, the food and the entertainment came from the area we were in at that time. So that was every day the food and the entertainment was local. Um, so I think, you know, a part of what appealed to me about it going in was just how little information there was out there about this specific trip, trip which sort of signaled to me that it wasn't going to be a super touristy spot. It wasn't going to be sort of blanketed by quote unquote influencers walking around talking into cameras. And it, and it, and it, and it wasn't, it was, you know, you, you were kind of given the opportunity to be a fly on the wall um, in an area that was doing something that it's been doing since the late middle ages with these Christmas markets um, and just enjoy it with the people. And I, I felt very, very welcomed by them, but at the same time, nothing about it felt tourist ridden. Nothing about it felt like it was being catered to us or crafted around us. Um, it really felt like, you know, travel in the truest sense and that we got to be a sort of fly in the wall and experience this awesome tradition and see these towns um, that haven't really been overrun by coverage yet. Yeah, I agree. I was thinking the reason, as I said, I went on the river cruise partly was to 
to see the destinations. And my anticipation was, and what I was hearing was that you pull up to a dock, you walk out and you're in the middle of town. And then the day was mostly going to be about those tours. So that lived up to the expectation in that regard. I also expected that the ships were going to be elegant, if not small, and that the food was going to be excellent. So those are the kind of expectations I had coming in. Lori, what about for you before you had done your your first river cruise? Because I know you you have been an avid cruiser, not just on Disney Cruise Line, but for a long time. I was on purpose. I didn't do much research so that everything I could experience was new and fresh to me. I think what I, the first thing that shocked me totally was you put your suitcase down on the road and you walk 20 steps and you're on the ship. Um, for me, that was amazing. And, and it set the tone for both trips, like a relaxing, less stressful. And then they're like, oh, your room is ready. Here you go. Or go have snacks. And that, to me, set the tone for both of the trips. So let's talk a little bit about the, the ship itself, right? And I almost want to use ship in air quotes because we think ship, we think ocean liner that has you know, 12, 14, sometimes 17 decks. This is a very different, you talk about sort of the boarding process. The ship itself is very, very small. There are three levels of cabins. There's, what do we say, Becky? I think there's 158 or so folks total, you know, passengers total mm-hmm. that can be on board. So maybe, you know, there's even with, with crew, there's probably less than 200. And, you know, some cruise lines, you walk into these grand halls, these grand atriums. Sometimes they are like mini malls with shops. This is very different. You walk on board, literally sort of off the curb and, and step on board. There's not layers and, and waiting through security and, and boarding groups. There's a little reception area, a very small shop. There's a dining room, lounge, a, a chef's table at the other end of the ship, an upper deck. Um, and then there's a small Salon is a small, I, from what they tell me, there's a small gym downstairs as well. It does not have the same locations, the same amenities as an ocean cruise, but that's not a bad thing. And actually, it's one of the things that I found that I really, really enjoyed about this experience from, you mentioned, the ease of boarding, right? The ease of getting on board. Laura, you hit it on the head. You literally, you don't go through all these different layers. You you know, put your suitcase down and you you're, you're on board. Like that's it. You're, you're, it's that simple um, disembarking the same way. You don't have to go through different groups. You don't have to show passports. You don't have to do anything like that. You step off a, a very small sort of gangway and you are in the middle of these small villages and towns. Um, and even as you're cruising and there's certain points where you literally can do this, you almost feel like you could reach out and touch the ground beside you, or or in some cases, as you pass through the locks, you could literally touch um, the walls itself. There are some similar things. You know, you get your daily cruise guide that's sort of put under your door every morning, but the programming for the cruise is very, very different. Sort of daily life on board is very different. And this is one of the things that really sort of stood out to me as I started to reflect back on the experience. And when you go on, we'll use Disney Cruise, for example, and this is not a bad thing. You have a a navigator now on your phone that is filled with too many things to do, right? You have sort of the the this bounty of choices of things to do, but you do often find yourself sort of 
scheduling yourself throughout the day, right? I have to meet Anna and Elsa at 11 a.m. I have to go to lunch at 12 o'clock. I have to do second lunch at one o'clock. I've got to go to dinner, get to bingo, go to the show. There's a lot that sort of keeps you as busy as you may want to be, but daily life on board is not that way. Um, You have a much more relaxed atmosphere. Like I never checked the clock other than to just ask how far are we from dinner time. Talk a little bit about, um, and cause, and we'll talk more about entertainment, but talk sort of about the, the day-to-day on board. And we'll talk specifically about the ports and the destinations, but talk to me about how you felt about your onboard cruise experience and the time that you spent specifically on the ship itself. So just for direct comparison, I looked up the numbers for some other ships just to like get like the vastness of the difference. So for example, like the Disney Dream has 1,250 staterooms, a max capacity of 4,000 passengers, and a crew of almost 1,500. The Amaviola has 78 cabins, um, a max capacity for passengers of 156, and a crew of 51. So <laughs> you just like the scope of that really hits home really hard. And I remember like the very first night, um, I remember like looking at you, Lou, during when we were all in the main lounge, kind of hearing about the itinerary or sort of lack thereof, at least while we were on the ship and thinking like, this is going to be the most wonderfully relaxing (laughs) trip that didn't fully play (laughs) out because ports themselves are quite exhausting. But as far as the time on the ship, like I loved not having to like have my phone in the app, like the entire time that we were sailing to see like what time bingo was and what time is, you know, what time is trivia and when is karaoke and when's the silent disco? Like it was all just such a chill experience. And I loved that everyone had one main space to gather because that just brought us all together so naturally um, whenever we weren't in port. I loved having the lounge. There was Sometimes it was enough room to like spread out. Sometimes you had to sit closer, but it was just nice having, they had snacks in there. You could go get a cup of tea and a cookie and just relax. And sometimes nobody was in there. Sometimes it was friends in there. I really enjoyed that part and gathering there at night for the local festivities and parties and dancing that was that was a big highlight to hang out with friends well because everything really does happen in that one room that that large lounge in the the front sort of almost half of the ship is sort of a combination of a comfort a lot of comfortable chairs places to sort of literally lounge around but there's also a bar in there it's where the entertainment happened it's where the snacks happened so you're right unlike a cruise where after dinner you know, people scatter. You don't know ever where anybody's going to be at one time. You know, unless you're spending time in your stateroom, this is where you're going to be. And I'm certainly on other cruises, when it's not very cold outside, you could be up on the upper decks, um, which we really didn't take advantage of because it was literally freezing in wintertime. But you're right. I like sort of having that central location, whether you're sitting there reading a book, you're playing a game, you're having a drink, or just chatting with friends or making new ones. I really, really liked this idea of everyone coming together in that single location. And that's why it's so perfect for a group of people, because you know where everybody is. They're either eating somewhere, they're off the ship, they're in their stateroom, or they're in that room. And of course, that room also has a small bar, so you can get used to uh, or get to know the crew members as well. I, I got some great conversations with the crew members that were hanging out at the bar, go figure. But that's one of the beautiful things about it. And as you said, Lisa, the comparison of size 
of the ship and the number of people, this is conducive to a very relaxing atmosphere. Um, and like you said, the, the ports can be intensive. If you want to do a morning and an afternoon excursion, you certainly can. If you don't want to do them and you just want to sit and read a book in that um, in that lounge space, you can do that too. If you just want to sit with friends that you haven't had an opportunity to just catch up with and chat with, you can do that too. So you pretty much have the vacation experience that you want to create. And while you're so right that it was the perfect trip for a group, I can also see how it would be the perfect trip for a solo traveler Mm -hmm. or a small family or couple because while our group was what it was and we came in all close and knowing each other, I think we would all agree that like we left with a lot of other friends and feeling like the rest of the people on the ship and like you said, Becky, the crew as well had become close friends because you're all just together the entire time. And if you're going on – I think it would be very, very difficult – to go on a sailing like that and not leave with a new group of friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I, I, and I like that you didn't have to make all those choices. You don't have to decide what am I doing at five o'clock and seven o'clock right. and nine o'clock. You, they, they were much more simplified. And in the evening, like you say, you just had a chance to get together either as our group or the entire group of the ship. So it was very relaxing after being very active. Yeah, the the lounge served, you know, a wonderful purpose, not just as a gathering place, but as a relaxing place to sort of unwind, talk about, decompress and share memories and snacks from earlier in the day and, and sometimes more than one destination. And we'll get to that as well. And it was nice to have the different discussions of what was your excursion today, because not all of us did the same things. So, you know, we could connect on what we did or listen to the music or dance to the entertainment. It was wonderful to to just share all of our experiences. Yeah. And, and speaking about going together it, as as a group, uh, the ship was not full. Right, Becky, there was about 110 or so 11. folks on board. And I think we were I think we had like yeah, we were like yeah. 57 of them. So, you know, yep. um, <laughs> But it didn't matter. Like we were not sort of our conversations and and our relationships were not isolated to our WW Radio family. You, it, the environment there is so warm, literally, because it's freezing outside, and welcoming and friendly <laughs> that it you in, invariably will sit across from someone on a couch that may not have been from the group, may have ended up sort of <laughs> being adopted into the group. Um, but meeting other people from from different areas uh, as well, I thought was was really nice too. Um, so again, it's it's I think that advantage of having that single space. And while there may not be a Walt Disney Theater, while there may not be a Tritons, while there may not be an Evolution, the entertainment comes to you, or sometimes you make it yourself. And it happens right there on board. And I want to sort of talk briefly about the entertainment because, Lisa, to your point, I I brought a book with me. I'm like, this is it. This is finally going to be the cruise that I get to sort of dust off of my virtual Kindle book and sit down and read because I'm going to have plenty of time because there's probably not going to be a lot to do. And I was very wrong because every night there was entertainment in that lounge. First of all, huge, like... Love and thumbs up to Gabor, the 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 man who wears many hats. Um, he was a musician who 
frequently was playing piano in the main lounge. Um, and he was wonderful and he was friendly and he's right there and accessible and, and took requests. But a big part of river cruising, and I think Ama Waterways does this, whether it's a Nat Geo cruise, whether it is an Adventures by Dizzy cruise, is the integration of local cultures, not just when you step off the ship, but while you're on board as well. Because every evening there was entertainment that was brought on board. They're not on board the entire time. They literally, like, as you go into port, they come on board. So one night there was um, there was Christmas tree decorating. There was glue wine, which will come up many, many, many times later. There was, I think it was in Bratislava, right? Was it the father and son and the, the two women doing the... Um, the dance performance, which I absolutely like when I found out that he was his son, like my heart just swelled. Um, there was a singer when we were in Vienna. Um, we couldn't go to Oktoberfest. So they literally brought Oktoberfest to us on board. And then yeah. one night <laughs> there was a dance party that was I'm not sure if it was on the itinerary, but I think the WW Radio Group, like it or not, uh, created their own bit of of entertainment. Talk to me individually um, in, in any order about the onboard entertainment. And when I talk about that, it's some of the things that I mentioned or some of the entertainment maybe that you created and brought on board with you. Did you have time to sit back and read a book or just have a drink at the bar or in your stateroom? Uh, give me your thoughts on entertainment. Um, again, in no order, feel free. So yeah, one of my favorite things about being able to like pull into these ports and be like literally in the destination and each place that we visited was the proximity, not only for us to get off the ship, but for them to bring stuff to us on the ship. So, you know, as I understand it, they were bringing on like fresh food every day and were able to give us some of the sort of local treats in each place. And you could tell they were bringing fresh, fresh food onto the ship at each port. And also obviously the entertainment that you just talked about, like it was a very sort of always like perfectly tastefully done, like really lovely taste of the local culture. Um, the singer from Vienna was wonderful. And I think that was what kind of segued into a dance party. <laughs> um, and yeah, me too. Like when the, when the father and son were, were dancing, they were doing the traditional dancing in Bratislava. Like the whole time I was watching thinking, Oh, I hope they're father and son. Cause it would just be so cool. And in the end he said it was his son and it was a very happy moment for me as well. <laughs> I personally like the immersion of the different cultures because we did visit quite a few countries. We visited Hungary and Austria and Slovakia and uh, Germany, and each one of them had their own flavor of entertainment. So you did get, you know, not only uh, the experience of being on a river cruise and seeing the the different cities and the towns as you as you toured, but each different location you were exposed to different entertainment. And of course, like you said, the dance party turned into the U S <laughs> infiltrated wherever we were at the time, uh, because I haven't, I have not seen a, a group of people go so crazy for 1970s music <laughs> as I did <laughs> over those couple of evenings. Um, we were, we were just missing the very large disco ball and the lights, but that's okay. <laughs> but it was so neat to experience some of the different cultures and, uh, the the different traditions in in entertainment. So, one of the very many reasons to do a river cruise. And they were also passionate about what they brought, mm -hmm. whether it was singing or dancing. Um, 
sharing Oktoberfest, all of those things, you could see that they were really excited to be there and and it and it showed and that everybody responded well to that. I liked also how we had members of our group be involved. So we had people with what what were they balancing on their heads? Oh the bottles, the the I wine bottles or yeah. Wine bottles balancing on their heads. Uh we had a couple of uh members of our well, somebody was getting a little sultry with one of our uh, uh, one of our friends, and then uh, his wife came up to dance with him as well. And so, yeah, we we had a lot of fun interaction. I, I know we had later hosen, and uh, Beatrice was dressed to very. She belonged there out on the out on the stage or out on the dance floor, and yeah, it, it was a lot of interaction, a lot of fun. I got a dance lesson. I appreciated the the dinners that were all like local flavors the hungarian goulash and the soups and the different fried goodies and they match the wines with them for dinner also i tried them all so you know what i really liked about the entertainment was one it was specific to the location where we were at right they were local entertainers mm-hmm. and i want to sort of articulate this properly the level of authenticity of the performers did not feel like well this is our interpretation of what folk singers in Austria are like, these are folk singers from Austria. This is what they do. Everything that is, um, is completely authentic as opposed to, you know, like watching a Disney movie version of what things are supposed to be like there. The, the cultural immersion really helped sort of connect the dots from some of the places you visited and even some of the places that you didn't get to visit. And we'll, and we'll talk about this later too, the way that the cruise and, and huge, huge um, kudos to Ama Waterways, there was at one point because of the dynamic of river cruising that we'll get to, we were unable to visit one of the locations. So instead of missing out on the entertainment of the night, the entertainers drove an hour and a half to come on board for an hour to entertain us and then drive back home an hour and a half as we took off late at night for their port. Like I loved the adaptability and for them, the importance of not just providing entertainment, but providing entertainment that was important and and impactful for the overall experience. Yeah. You're articulating much better what I was trying to sort of allude to when I said it didn't feel campy. I, I think like if you're coming from ocean liner cruising, especially, and you picture like, you know, dancers from these different, like if you, it, there, there was nothing about it that felt forced or like it was an interpretation of something or being presented to us. It was just like these people from the various destinations that we were in, like coming on the ship and like with love sharing their culture with us and just deepening that level of immersion that much more. Um, and being able to talk to them afterwards and talk to the locals that were boarding the ship, like that also gave a level of accessibility to us when we were in these cities that I think we wouldn't have had elsewhere because we were walking around in places where I know for me, like I never imagined I would be able to set foot. So to be able to feel comfortable there because we had locals to ask questions every time we had a question or or something like that was awesome too. So just being able to interact with them as people um, obviously added to the trip that much more too. And I know it seems, it might seem silly, but there was a wonderful sense of, especially because it happened early of letting guests decorate the Christmas trees, go into the boxes and decorate the Christmas trees in the lounge, right? There was a, there was a wonderful sense of 
um, camaraderie and family and community because you're doing something that families do together. And you took these sort of bare Christmas trees and, and we made them all our own together. And I watched sort of the dynamic and interactions of people who may have been strangers 10 minutes earlier, sort of become friends and sort of have some fun decorating the trees. And, and they consistently did things like that. Uh, if there was not necessarily entertainment on board, even if the, the cruise director during the day would come in and, and make announcements or share things, uh, there was this sort of the simple joy of the gathering space um, that that the lounge provided that I really, really, really liked and appreciated. One thing I really loved, speaking of that tradition, and I know you would only get this on Christmas markets, but this didn't happen on the last Christmas markets one that I was on. So it was very surprising and very fun when they told us to leave our shoes out <laughs> um, the, that night. And you're thinking, what? You want us to put our shoes outside the door? What? Um, of course, that morning, we all woke up with chocolates shoved into our shoes, which was such a neat surprise. And for me, I know it's a, now I know anyway, that it's a cultural thing that they do quite often in that area. But I had never heard of that before. So it's kind of like a, a neat little added surprise that they were always doing throughout the entire uh, cruise, which I do know that those types of surprises, while they it's not going to be put out your shoes when it's not a Christmas markets. They do that type of thing to keep everybody engaged uh, throughout the sailings, uh, especially on our, on our waterways. They do such a great job of engaging with our guests. My wife protected her chocolate Santa the entire way home. <laughs> it made it, it home. The other day. And, and then we also had the gingerbread I was say, There was a lot of things that were going on that were not necessarily this the evening entertainment, but other activities and stuff that were going on on board as well. And I think it was a lot of people from our group there, and I'm sure you're going to talk about this part of the ship a little bit later on, but we were at the captain's table decorating gingerbread during the day. So they brought out a, the chef brought out a whole range of gingerbread. There were bells and there were gingerbread men and there were a couple of other different uh, different shapes, but they brought out the icing and they brought out a number of toppings and everybody decorated as many as they wanted to. There was more gingerbread than, than you, you could even decorate. And we did that in the afternoon while we were traveling from one port to another. So sometimes we were in the common room in the evening because we were done touring for the day. But a couple of times we were moving from one port to another, one town to another. And so we were doing things during the day. And, and I know we'll talk about some of the talks we had from that geo uh, during that space as well. But even just on on any cruise, right, there was um, throughout the day and certainly starting in the morning, there were uh, wellness and fitness classes, um, stretching and yoga that were very popular among the ladies. I don't know why, other than maybe because of the way the fitness instructor might have looked. But there was also, you know, simple things like afternoon tea and, and snacks in the lounge. And I loved having, again, time on your own to relax, but there was always something or, or somebody who was around to gather with in the lounge. So you really, as we start talk about the excursion stuff too, this is very much a choose your own adventure, Nat Geo Expedition and, and River Cruise. And when we talk about the, the excursions as well, very much at your own pace too. Uh, one of the things that I loved, but one of you or multiple, many of you alluded to something Really not an important part of cruising for me, but I think we need to talk about the dining, uh, both on board and off of the ship as well. Once again, I had heard 
Lou, you're going to love this. You're going to love the dining. There's a single central dining room where all the dining happens. All those snacks are served in the lounge in the morning and then throughout until late night. Um, So there's, you know, a a breakfast spread in the morning. There's um, late night snacks as well. Tea times, sip and sales. Um, uh, There was we didn't discover this until very late in the cruise. There was tapas in the lounge that I did not get a chance to participate in, which I am very, very upset about. I'd love to hear your thoughts about your dining experiences on the cruise. Um, how did the food, how did the service, um, the, the quality of the food, as well as the variety of the food meet, compare with, or exceed um, any expectations? I, I will say one thing that I didn't realize until we got on board, that in addition to all of your food being included, um, having wine at dinner was also included too, which I think was a really, really nice. And again, as you're coming down from your excursions throughout the day, uh, I think a lot of people really appreciated. So um, anybody sort of jump in your thoughts on uh, your dining experiences on board. I tried everything. Um, I tried, we sat with different people every night so that I could take pictures of their food and maybe try a bite or two. And I tried, um, I'm a red wine drinker, so they always kept my glass full, which was amazing. Like, he was just there. The, um, I have an allergy, so they were able to accommodate that. You make um, a great point, by the way, about it being open seating for dinner, too, as opposed to, again, Disney Cruise Line, where you have a table number that you are assigned to, your server rotates with you. You can sort of pick and choose where you want to sit, who you want to sit with, which I think is really nice, too, whether you're going in a group or if you want to sort of dine on your own, having that option to sort of mix and match your dining partners or just have a quiet evening to yourself is is I, I really, really like that. You could there was even though there was like one dining time, you could also come a little later and there was always tables available, which was really nice, too. So we tried a lot of food that they have um, for the not so adventurous. I didn't ever go off it, but I know some people did. They got the ones that were like chicken or steak or burger or pizza. So if you're not an adventurous foodie, there is also options for you. And by adventurous, I mean, it, there's not, you know, crazy stuff on the menu, but a lot of it is also geared towards where you are. Somebody mentioned earlier about how on a daily basis, new food, local food is brought on board and the menu each night is is somewhat reflective of that, but there are also sort of the the quote unquote staple options, whether it's steak or chicken, um, vegetarian, gluten free meals, etc. All those things, special needs, or were also, um, from what I understand, very easily accommodated by the the chef as well. And that's something I wanted to to kind of um, pile up on is that don't be afraid if you have food allergies because they are prepared and ready and able to handle pretty much any food allergy that you might come across. So um, they were so accommodating. And as a matter of fact, when Lori and I were on the one in May, we had probably six people in our group that all had different types of food allergies and they were able to accommodate every single one of them. And I think that uh, kind of nod, gives a nod to the benefit of having the fresh food that is delivered every single day, or they go out from the ship and the chef and his team brings back fresh ingredients, which, um, you know, is amazing. So I I know that a lot of people get a little afraid, especially if they're going outside of the U S and they have food allergies, but don't worry if you're traveling with Ama waterways. 
Yeah, I loved that the main dining room had like a local option and a vegetarian option and then sort of a really solid, you know, steak or chicken or pizza go to if you kind of weren't feeling it that day. I also loved that, you know, our, our crews happened to fall like solidly during the week of Hanukkah. Um, and they were nice enough to have like a Hanukkah dedicated table with some treats and kosher wines and things like that. And I thought that was really lovely. And also, I think it's worth mentioning that like, aside from like the sip and sale and the tapas and other things that happened in the main lounge, they also had like quick dining options in that main lounge mm -hmm. for, I guess, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and then an evening snack. So if you were just running a little bit late or didn't want to sit and have, you know, a long meal, it was absolutely an option to run into that main lounge and grab something you know, sort of content, like a continental breakfast type where they had eggs and things like that there and, um, you know, and, and, and each meal after that. And also the chef table was phenomenal. <laughs> like the chef's table was such a good meal. Um, so like props to them for putting that together on the ship. We did use those alternative meals for breakfast and lunch a couple of times when, like you say, we were running late or, or we just felt like taking it easy. So you could go into the, the lounge while everybody's down at the main restaurant for breakfast or lunch. You could go into the lounge. They had people that would come and wait on you. They had a shorter menu, but some of the same things and bring it right to your table. And, and it made it faster and, and more convenient, but, but the chef's table, absolutely. I, I'm so thankful. We all had that chance to do that while we were on the ship. Yeah. The chef's table, just to be clear, um, the, the main dining room is sort of occupies the, the middle and the forward of the ship and on deck three in the aft of the ship is a small, um, in a relatively small room, maybe holds, what is it, Becky, about 40 or so, if if that may, 35, 40 or so no, seats? It's, it's 26, 20, okay. actually. Um, so it's a very intimate experience. And, and before we get to the chef's table, one of the things I want to mention, too, is that throughout the ship, throughout the, 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 the cruise, dining is very casual. Right. You can sort of come and go if you want to sort of dress for dinner. You can do that. If you want to come and just warm, comfy clothes, you can do that as well. And if you want to have an elevated experience, you can sign up for the chef's table. Uh, fortunately, everybody in our group was able to do it over two different nights. But, Becky, that's something that once you get on board, again, like Disney Cruise Line, where you have to sort of sign up for things in advance, trying to get Apollo reservations. These things happen on board. And sometimes it's a little bit easier because there's that single desk. It's a small, um, it's, it's a smaller ship. There's a smaller number of guests. So they are able to, you know, for a lot of people, if you want to do chef's table, it is an option, but how does this sort of chef's table experience work? Yeah. And this happens if you're with Nat Geo or with your, or if you just sail with Alma Waterways individually, it's no extra charge to do that experience too. And a lot of people are kind of surprised about that because it is a phenomenal experience. But one of the things, like you just said, it's so easy. You don't have to sign up for shore excursions six months ahead of time. You don't have to worry about signing up for things um, to figure out where you want to eat 180 days before you sail, you actually just walk on board and work with the cruise manager and they have signups for things. And even the shore excursions, you could decide the day of, you could sign up for it on the first day. And by the day of that excursion, if you decide you want to switch to something else, it's easy to do. So it's, that's another reason why it's just so relaxing because you don't feel like you have a regimented um, bullet list that you have to do at days 90 and 30 and, and 10 days out. 
you get to walk on board and make decisions as you go. But uh, for the chef's table specifically, when you first board on the first day, they'll have a sign-up sheet for you and you just pick the night and you put your name by there. And I was wrong. I think it's 28, not 26 in that room. Um, but you just sign up for the night you want to go and you get to experience the chef's table at no additional cost. And and that's one of the things I think that, and we'll talk about the excursions and stuff too. You can walk on board, Becky, and if you want to, you don't have to spend an additional dime because all your meals are included. If you want wine at dinner, that is included as well. The chef tables are, is included. And when we talk about the excursion, all of your excursions are included too. If you want to sort of literally take a bike and sort of bike off the ship, you can do that too. And all of that is is included, which I think is is it's very important to note. And I think it's really nice too, because when you say relaxing, I think it's relaxing in terms of planning and preparation, both in advance of the cruise and while you're on board the cruise, you don't have to have that sort of Excel spreadsheet sort of laid out of, you know, what are we going to favorite on the app? Because what are we going to need to go to next? You could sort of pick and choose. And even one day we decided, hey, we were going to do this afternoon excursion. We're going to hang out on board instead. And, you know, no harm, no foul, no time or, or money lost um, along the way. Um, right. And and just to clarify really quickly, uh, because we were on a Nat Geo excursion, everything was included uh, for the excursions. However, with some Amal waterways, you'll have a, a morning and an afternoon choices that are included. However, there are some that are additional cost. If you want to take advantage of, say, I, I want to say like the um, the concert in Vienna, that is one that is normally an additional cost. So you'll find that on most of the River Cruise itineraries. So let's talk quickly about the Nat Geo difference. Uh, this is a Nat Geo expedition, which is obviously a, a Nat Geo sort of branded cruise partnering with Alma Waterways. What makes it a Nat Geo expedition? Well, if, for this collaboration, um, they bring on two different National Geographic experts. One of them, Mark Baker, um, was someone who has a uh, a very personal history in this region um, in terms of uh, the the Vienna and the Danube and having lived in that region, I think Free said, um, 11 years and presented a number of times throughout the the cruise uh, and and sort of even on one of the excursions about not just the the history of where you were, but his personal experiences and personal photos as well. Um, I think for a lot of people, one of the things that really sort of piqued their interest was uh, Krista Russo. Um, she not only gave presentations and lectures, but really sort of interactive uh, educational seminars on uh, travel photography, whether it's using your phone, using a DSLR. And it, unlike a presentation format, it really became a, an interactive Q&A, almost like a workshop, which I really liked because you were able to take lessons that she was giving you, no matter what phone that you have. And there was, I was watching around the room. There were so many like aha moments. Like I didn't know my phone could do that. I never thought about using this technique when going to photograph something. I never thought about sort of coming at it from this eye or perspective, bringing her personal experiences, stories, but more importantly, expertise and making it accessible and applicable to every single person on board, I think really was one of the highlights. And I loved watching the faces of people that it was like they discovered fire. Like they didn't know that their phone could do that. Um, so that's part of what 
the the Nat Geo layering on top was. Um, anybody want to share any of their thoughts about the guides themselves, the presentations, or the, the the Nat Geo aspect of the experience for yourself? I love an opportunity to like geek out on a trip, and so the ability to like sit there with people like Mark, who had spent like so many years in the area and have had these just really incredible stories and things that he's been through and people that he's interviewed and being able to sit and listen to him talk about, you know, architecture in the area and the fall of communism um, through his own experience and the Habsburgs, um, you know, during the trip, like we keep using the word immersion, but really like the level of depth that he was able to add to the trip was so incredible. And then of course, also like listening to Krista and like being able to see her out and about on the same excursions that we were on and watching her give, you know, tips to people. And and also toward the end of the trip, she gave a really, really interesting talk on just her experience and working for National Geographic as a photographer and like what that's really like. Um, and I appreciated listening to to that as well. So again, like we keep using words like immersion and adding depth. And, you know, this this was, I think, one of the really big things for me that did that. One thing that really brought it home Question for me for was Becky. going so on the excursion. If it wouldn't have been a National Geographic Sorry. One thing that brought it home for me was going on the excursions with them. So say, for example, Krista was with us and, and she's taking her own photographs. So we could, you know, talk to her about photography while she was with us on the excursions. What I was going to ask Becky was, if it wasn't a, nas- a National Geographic cruise, what would have occurred in the afternoons when we were traveling from port to port? So that one of the things I I love the interaction with them. I agree. Krista had office hours. She helped people either on the ship or when we were out on the excursions and Mark had great talks. But if we didn't have their presentations on some of those afternoons as we were moving, what would um, waterways have done in those spaces? Yeah, it's it's really cool, actually. They have somebody who will come out and talk like like they did when we were sailing up through um, that that one day where we were going past all the castles and and the really cool areas, they do have some uh, narration that they talk about what we're passing by, what you're looking at, what you're seeing. Um, they also just have that quiet time where you can just sit there and read your book and watch the world go by. So it really does depend on the itinerary, what you're passing, what you're doing, what you're seeing. And if you're sailing during the day, they'll also have people like, um, like our cruise manager, when you're going through the locks, he would talk about the experience of going through the locks. So they, they do kind of fill in a, a lot of those um, times with different information that you might be going past. The only real difference between the Nat Geo piece and what we what we saw is the two Nat Geo folks that were on board to give lectures. So it might not be as jam-packed with uh, the Nat Geo lecture people. You might have a little bit more downtime, but you still have a lot of information that's being given by people they bring on or the um, the cruise manager themselves. They also have several that are like wine cruises or specializing in that. So they'll bring on um, uh, winery owners that will talk about their wines in the area that they come from and so forth. So it really depends on the itinerary. Gotcha. Yeah, it's different than taking an Adventures by Disney, for example, where you have like Adventures by Disney guides who are there with you all the time. And then you also have your local guides as well. They were really there to provide sort of that, uh, not just historical information and background, but onboard presentations. And yes, they did come on some of the excursions as well, but those really were led by 
local guides in all of the areas. And again, same thing too. We'll, t- we'll talk about the individual ports and some of the excursions, but those local guides in small groups um, brought you know, a wealth of local history and local knowledge. And then sometimes was punctuated even a little bit more. I know Mark was on one of the excursions with us. I just happened to turn around and he was there and he gave me even a little bit more information about some of the places that we were a little bit more of his own personal history. And I loved having that sort of additional layer on top of it. And then Becky, when this is done through adventures by Disney, it it takes on a little bit of a different flavor as well, correct? Right. To make sure we clarify that, um, both Nat Geo and Adventures by Disney do contract uh, with Alma Waterway, so it's the exact same cruise line. However, with ABD, they're looking at families coming on board, right? And as we've kind of alluded to, there's not a lot to do for kids on board the, the river cruise. There's not a kids club. There's not a lot of things happening. So with an, an Adventures by Disney, they bring on six or eight guides, um, Adventures by Disney guides, who will then have activities during the day to keep the families occupied and to keep them, keep the kids uh, engaged uh, during the times that it might be a little bit boring for kids on board, right? If you were just on a regular river cruise. So Adventures by Disney takes a whole different tactic with it, with engaging the families and and getting the kids occupied and playing and games. And also the adventure guides do also go on the shore excursions as well. Uh, With the the shore excursions that we were on, we did have Mark or others go with us, but they were conducted by local guides. And just quickly to your point, you know, sort of going back to what you mentioned earlier, this incorrect preconception or misconception about what is sort of the demographic of who traditionally takes river cruises. It is It does not necessarily skew older. I think it may depend on the line, the time of year, what cruises is. While everyone on this cruise, for the most part, were, were all adults, it, it did sort of span a very wide range. There was one I only saw. One person who appeared to be under 18, uh, one girl who was with her family, seemed like she was 15 years. I don't know if it was somebody here on the call, but somebody did mention while we were on board that they had talked to her and she seemed like she was having a great time. She was interested in all of the the seminar. She attended everything. So I don't think that this cruise, while it does, well, it's not quote unquote adults only, you know, especially depending on the age of your children and how entertained they want to be either by you, by what they do on their own. You know, kids are certainly welcome on board as well. But yes, there's no kids club. There's no stage shows. There's no things like that. Um, You know, my kids are, you know, a little bit older. They're 18 and 20. I think they would have really enjoyed it. If your kids are maybe, you know, eight to 10, you would have to sort of decide on your own if this is the type of cruise that, that they would enjoy as well. I think it really depends on the kid. Obviously, when I've been on those cruises where there was, I think, Lori, there was one that a 10 year old girl on the one in May and she loved everything that was going on. And she listened to the history talks and she was really engaged in um, in the activities that were given. So, you know, some 10 year olds are going to be great with it. Others are just not. So I think it just really depends on the child. Yeah. And when I whenever I saw that girl, I was happy that I didn't see her looking down at her phone the entire time, right? That's not the way she was sort of spending her cruise, which by the way, quick aside, Wi-Fi is included. Wi-Fi is actually, was actually very good and included on board as well. So you can stay connected if you want to, but your screen should 
and was not um, and, and should not be the focus of what you're paying attention to while you're on board. Um, even on Disney Cruise, because the Navigator app is there, you're now sort of beholding to your phone because it is your gateway to chatting with members of your family, with the crew, if need be. But it is your it is also your guide. We're here. One, there's not a lot to, that you have to sort of worry about. But two, you did get a sort of paper uh, daily cruiser each and every day to let you know what was going on. Um, I, I want to, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I think my only worry was to make sure in the morning, if I walked down that the, there was um, hot chocolate powder <laughs> left sorry. in the uh, cocoa machine because, because <laughs> Lisa's husband apparently would have drained the entire thing. If he had the opportunity, I've never seen, <laughs> and that's another thing. I've never seen a man too. drink that much hot chocolate ever in my life. <laughs> I haven't either, but it was really good hot chocolate. Um, it came out of the espresso machine, but that's another thing. Those are all included. So 24 hours a day, you could just walk up and make a latte for yourself or, or get a, a cup of hot chocolate or tea. So another thing that's you know a good value when you're on board. I miss that frothy milk. <laughs> yeah, so good. <laughs> yeah, I was going to speak up, but I never had a chance. We were talking through that. I said we would be doing a disservice to the group if we didn't mention the, <laughs> the tea and coffee machine. And also like the smallness of the ship like kind of stands out with like that kind of a teeny little detail. Like there was this wonderful little like hot drinks machine, like kind of as you boarded the ship, like outside the main lounge that had like hot water for tea and coffee and the hot chocolate we're joking about. And because your room is like, you know, 25 paces to the right, like it wasn't a big deal to be sitting in bed and think I could go for some chamomile tea right now and then just go grab some. In so your like, pajamas, you could go down in your, like you could go down in your pajamas too. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, totally. Like little details like that made such a big difference just because it was such a cozy little ship that like the fact that that machine was there like did make a difference at mm -hmm. 2 a.m. when you wanted a cup of tea. Yeah, and I'm really disappointed. Well, obviously not because it was Christmas market, so it's supposed to be cold and it's supposed to be a little, you know, a little snowy. But one of the best places to utilize is that top deck that we just didn't have that much of a chance to to hang out up there. But it, it's got a little plunge pool and it's got, you know, tons of, of seating areas. That you could just enjoy the world going by as you're sailing. So hopefully, hopefully on the <clears throat> next one, it'll be warm enough that we'll be able to uh, in, enjoy that. Space. I wanted to do a little, night, you, know. you know, a hot tub dip but man it was cold when, when you got out of that so i was trying to just av it i was, was just cold. avoiding the um the pneumonia you know what i, I completely forgive me <laughs> one thing we didn't talk about i want to just touch on quickly we talked about the ship we talked about the dining areas we talked about the measures we didn't talk about the staterooms we didn't talk about the different types of staterooms and, and what uh the cabins were like they're like a regular ocean liner there are varieties of um of stateroom sizes and types uh there are three different decks of staterooms becky i believe all of the staterooms are while they might not have a a balcony I, they do they're all sort of there's at the very least they're fixed window right so they all sort of face out there's no interior cabins correct correct yeah everything is it at least has a window but the ones that only have a window are below the or at the waterline or below so not the best scenario but those of course are the the buy-in the the lead-in price to get on board and the then there are some that have a french balcony some have an outside balcony as well so they do go up from fixed window to you know full-blown suites that range you know from about 160 square feet to about 350 square feet so depending on 
what you want, your size, your budget, the size of your family, there is a, a variety of staterooms to choose from. Um, anybody want to just quickly talk about your stateroom, your feelings of it, um, whether it's the decor, but we certainly, you know, we talked about the the ease of it. Listen, one thing, you know, you take, you go to the dream with a fantasy. Sometimes you realize just how far some of these staterooms might be at the end of the night, but that was not an issue here. Uh, anybody want to sort of weigh in on your thoughts of the staterooms? I loved being able to open up my balcony door. And when we were going through the locks and touched the wall of the You're locks. You're not supposed not to touch supposed to. the walls of the locks. I know. supposed to do that. I know. I did some videos of the locks. It just fascinates me to no end. We sat out, I sat out there one night um, just watching us go down in the locks and then go back up. And then the scenery from the balconies was just beautiful. I bundled up. <laughs> the, the bathrooms are definitely tighter than what you're going to get on a disney ship you don't have the split bathroom uh, for larger people like myself uh, you, you tend to hit the sides but they were very well appointed they're very clean and elegant and more than workable for the amount of time you spend in the room so i liked the fact that the location of the cabin didn't matter at all you know obviously like the ship's not rocking so there's no preference for being on the ends versus in the middle everything faced outward um, we had a we actually had a combination of a French balcony and a traditional balcony, so that was a great use of space. Um, and also, while the room was a little bit smaller, like John said, especially like some of the the, the bathroom you know spaces in the room that we had, um, it was very well appointed. So it reminded me sort of like when you go to IKEA and they're showing you like what you can do with <laughs> 250 feet of square space if you use it properly. It's sort of like how the room was laid out. So while it was on the smaller side, and you know things like the shower were a little bit tight. Um, the use of space was very good. And I didn't feel like there were like as many storage issues as I've had on other ships. There's a lot of great storage in those, in the spaces and they have a little desk and it, it's very workable. It's very livable. You don't, you're not supposed to spend a ton of time in your room, which is why it's kind of small because they're trying to make the most of all the space. But um, this is one of their older ships. It's 2016 when it was built. The ones that have come out since They've made a lot of design changes to even make that space flow a little better as well. So you'll find different um, different experiences on different ships. Yeah, the thing I, I found here where I thought this is great, I'm going to take my book, I'm going to sort of relax in my stateroom, I'm going to read quietly. I found that I didn't want to be in my stateroom. I wanted to be in that lounge area. And even if I wanted to just sit quietly and have my 312th, you know, cup of hot tea with honey. I wanted to sort of be in that space. I wanted to look out the windows there. I mean, if there are, you know, almost floor to ceiling windows in that lounge area, there's always somebody there. If you want to talk to, there's maybe light music playing in the background, but I wanted to sort of be in that communal space as opposed to be alone in my room, which I think is really sort of a testament to the dynamic of the ship and certainly traveling together, um, as a group. Yeah. And it had a, a lot of, um, of different configurations. So there were couches and there were chairs and there were tables. So many times I would just take my laptop because I didn't want to sit in the room. I'd go down, take the laptop, set up near that really cool hot chocolate machine and, and work from there. And you could plug in. And uh, so th there's a lot of, of options to use that space. And uh, while we're talking about the stateroom, it just made me think while there is no guest accessible laundry on board. Uh, if you do need to have laundry done, there are laundry services that are available. So um, 
and it was really reasonable too. You rather than for those of you who've done ocean cruising and you're you're doing a pair of underwear for seven dollars and fifty cents, it's which gets a little out of hand. Um, on board, these were really really reasonable in terms of the cost to do an entire load of laundry. So I, I really appreciated that. And, and efficient. And the same day turnaround time was same awesome. down. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, I, w- I want to I want to get to sort of the the heart and the soul of river cruising because while I think for a Disney cruise line the ship is the star, for here while I love the ship, the destinations really are the reason to go and what makes river cruising so unique and so wonderful. Somebody said earlier, it is not necessarily waking up and being in a new port. Sometimes you might have more than one stop per day. Sometimes you might not be be the only ship in port as well, too, which might make for some fun. I, I want to sort of quickly give a, a high-level overview of our day-to-day itinerary, and then I'd love to hear from each of you places and experiences and the way that you either did the tours or when going out on your own, your sort of thoughts about either things that, that stuck out for you. Um, our Our adventure ran from December 9th through the 16th. Many of us got in, which we highly recommend, a day early uh, into Budapest. Um, and I have to tell you, this was, the, the cruise hadn't even started yet. And maybe it was just sort of this childlike giddiness and excitement that I had. But as we all started to gather and just like get ready for the next day, some of us went out and just went exploring uh, the Budapest, a very, very walkable city from the hotel that we were staying at. And we found uh, we found a restaurant that happened to still be open. Everything, they sort of closed things up a little early, uh, despite the Christmas markets being there, and found a, a little restaurant called Hungary in Hungary and had one of the best meals that I've had on, on the entire trip. We tried everything that local the schnitzel and the chicken papakash and the goulash and literally every single type of sausage that they had on the menu. And I think a lot of us, we walked out of that night. I mean, there was maybe 10 of us somewhere around there. And I was like, man, we can go home tomorrow. Like, and this was just great because this is what cruising as a group and cruising with friends, whether you've met them before or not, or you've, you've maybe run across their name in the clubhouse was all about. We start on the ninth boarding the ship in Budapest, um, and correct me if I get any of these things wrong. We stayed there overnight, right? We stayed in Budapest on the ship overnight. Um, so it really was almost more of a of a place to sleep then. But it was getting acclimated to the ship. The the crew came out, Raul, the cruise director came out, the captain came out, um, gave us an idea of what was going on. But you also did have an opportunity to explore Budapest on your own. Uh, a number of us walked over to an inside market because it was cold and snowy and amazing and beautiful where it almost looked like it was in this giant old, it reminded me of sort of like this old, like Victorian era train station um, where there was local artisans and crafts. Justin, I thought the meal the night before couldn't get any better. We had, it's the Hungarian version of a cozy cone. I don't know how else to put it like four different sausage focused cones and we had this uh, Hungarian flatbread. I'm going to apologize if I pronounce anything wrong. Correct me. Lepeni, Lepeni. I don't know what it is. And and that was the night that we boarded the ship. Um, 
The next day, we did a guided tour of Budapest. Again, it was it was everything you wanted it to be. It was cool. It was snowing. We toured Buda Castle. We had these cookies and sausages in the market. I was introduced to the joy that is chimney cakes. Um, some we went off. A group of us went off. We w- went to go see one of this beautiful um, Jewish synagogue. And again, they brought local artisans and and uh, performers on board the ship. The next day, we went to Bratislava, which is the capital of Slovakia. Uh, we went to Bratislava Castle, which had amazing views and the next of the Christmas markets. That's when we went through um, the locks, right? We went through sort of our first lock and sort of had that, that onboard lock experience. Uh, more importantly, I had my first Haluski experience, which are these, um, and this is where our guide said, wait a minute, you can go to the Christmas markets, but let me take you down this other street because you have to try this. And Haluski are like these little, bowl of like warm potato dumplings with bacon on it. <laughs> like, I'm not sure if you can hear the smile that is on my face. Um, you're, you're literally I salivating. Am. I'm I so excited right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, Vienna was next. Uh, where again, this is where you had your choice of different tours and we'll talk about the, the different excursions, but, uh, we saw St. Stephen's cert, St. Stephen's church. Um, I had my next cup of glue wine, um, which is it, it, sort of this, this mold spiced wine um, that's served in these cute little cups that are like souvenir cups, or you can turn back in for $2. Um, the next day was in the Wachau Valley where we went to Dernstein, uh, which was this small, quaint little village, which no necessarily show of hands. I know for me was possibly my favorite stop. Everybody's raising their hand. Our favorite stop um, of the entire trip. Um, there was uh, walking tours. You could do a bike ride. We went to uh, Milk Abbey in the evening. Um, we had a Christmas party with Santa on board. Then it was off to, um, we docked in Linz, Austria, and some passengers could go to visit Salzburg, uh, which was sort of the setting for Sound of Music. It's also the birthplace of Mozart. Some of us traveled to Chesky Krumlov, which was over in the Czech Republic, which is a UNESCO World Heritage Site. An amazing castle. Great little town. I have two words for you. Ginger tea. Um, and then this is where things got interesting, because we were supposed to go on the next day to Passau, Germany. But because of the snowfall and the melting snow the Danube water levels were too high for this relatively sort of stout ship to be able to pass under some of the bridges. So we docked in Engelhartzel, if I got that right. And again, adapting on the fly, Ama Waterways arranged for us to have ground transportation to Passau, a little bit more of an abbreviated visit, but at least we were able to go and see what I think was my favorite Christmas market and one of the most beautiful churches, which was St. Stephen's Cathedral. We had presentations later that day. And then the final day, again, affected by the water levels, but that's when we ended in Munich. Some folks stayed uh, for a day and some of us went back. And I'm giving a very, very high level, 30,000 foot abbreviated view of an amazing seven days, but I'd love to sort of go around the, the the table as it were. And each of you talk about which or which ones of 
these ports, destinations, experiences appeal to you, uh, personal stories that you want to share, anything that about um, any or or all of them, and and feel free to, to jump in. Beatrice, go ahead. You go first. Well, I one of the things I really wanted to see was Salzburg. So I really enjoyed a lot of the Sound of Music things that we saw. We saw the gazebo, that we saw the church where the wedding took place. We saw the abbey where Maria goes in the movie. So if, if you're one like me who watches it every year, it was wonderful. And it, I found it interesting that the people of Salzburg don't really know the sound of music because they didn't watch it over there in Europe as we did here in the hmm. States. So it was interesting that they were just kind of doing a little bit of that just for us because they don't even know about this movie. <laughs> but um, wow. but Dernstein was also great. So I'm sure someone else will mention that because it was such a favorite for ours. But um, it was such a great trip all around. But that was my favorite. I found it so interesting. There was not a single location that we visited that I wasn't enamored with. Every single place we went, there was something architecturally that was special. Each of the Christmas markets was unique and special. So the the food that we got to have in, in all the Christmas markets, besides what was on the ship, was fantastic. I personally loved getting the chance to skate in Vienna. So in the evening, we went to a Christmas market in Vienna. And they don't have a rink. They have, it's a path. And they've got these wooden fences that guide you around. And every so often there'd be a rink where people could stop and skate around. But I went off and rented some skates and and I was just zooming around there and, and having a grand old time. It was very Christmassy. It was it was dark with all the lights on. Uh, but I, the Milk Abbey, I think, was one other really special place. You talked about Dernstein, very quaint, and everybody loved it. The, Dernstein was the one place where we did not have enough time, I believe. But Milk Abbey was was eye-opening to me. With the, it was beautiful. It was huge. And we got to do it in the the glow of light in at night. So it was just a little bit extra special because we visited at night and there was no... I was going to say, it almost felt like a private tour for us because it was at the end of the day. It was beautiful, illuminated at night. And you did sort of almost have the sense of ownership because there were so few other people there, which also made for some great photos as well. Absolutely. But I, I have no, no location that I felt that I didn't get what I was looking for. All of them exceeded my, any one where you felt that the guide really did an exceptional job or, cause I know there was, there was a, there was a few times I just thought our guide was exceptionally good. Well, I thought we had a real crack up <laughs> that took us to Milk Abbey. <laughs> she was hilarious. Uh, uh, I think Vienna was the the guide that we had in Vienna was the most exceptional, at least in my group. We we certainly had a couple of different groups. Some some groups had an easier walk because they couldn't go up and down some steep inclines, let's say, or stairs. But Vienna, I thought uh, that was my that was the one that I would give the nod. Yeah, to. I was going to save this for later, but I, but I should really bring it up now. And then, Lori, I'd love to hear from you, especially because you took part in some of these. One of the things, and Becky, you can obviously talk to this as well, that I really, really loved and appreciated was not just one, you'd have to worry about signing up for an excursion in advance. Two, what was the excursion going to cost? Three, was the excursion going to be sold out? But was the option to pick and choose day of, morning of, as it was happening, 
what you wanted to do. And it wasn't just a single excursion. Every single day, there was at least two, sometimes multiple, depending on where you were, excursions to choose from. So for example, when we were in Bratislava, you could have done a Coronation City walking tour and Christmas market, or if you want to do a Bratislava castle hike, you could do that as well. If you wanted to do the next day Vienna by bike, which two people from our group did, they raved about it, you could do that. If you want to do something a little bit maybe less strenuous, you had the idea, the option to do the Vienna City Tour and the Christmas markets. Same thing. There was a, an afternoon excursion that day. There was an evening concert or the Christmas market at night. They had a second dining time to make sure you can do any or all of them. And some days had not one, not two, but three different options to choose from. So if you want to do a Dernstein walking tour and wine tasting, you could do that. If you want to do the walking tour or an apricot and sweets tasting, you could do it. Or if you want to do it by bike that you could. Uh, in Linz, you had four different ones that you could do. Some could be full day excursions. So for example, when we went to Chesky Krumlov, it was a full day. Or if you wanted to just do the UNESCO sort of walking tour and Christmas market, you could do it as well. They had basically a a regular excursion. They had maybe one that was a little bit more adventurous and athletic, whether it's hiking or biking. And I really love, love, love the idea. And I hope that other excursions, uh, even on other lines, take inspiration from this. They had a gentle option so or a gentler option. So if you did not maybe want to do as much walking, if you have mobility issues, if you if you have anything like that, there are other options available that still allow you to experience each of the ports in its full flavor, but just without the 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 struggle, the hassle, the worry about keeping up, walking, getting exhausted, you know, dropping your your chimney cake, whatever it might be. Lori, I know that you um, you, you every day you did an excursion, but you also did some of the gentle ones. I'd love to hear your thoughts about your excursion experience that, that you loved, as well as the, the gentle option as well, if you don't mind. The wine tasting one, when we all got pocket bread for later, that was a big hit in our group. Wait, you have to explain <laughs> what pocket fun. bread is. <laughs> so there was, I think it was endurance yeah. nine, right? Where we did the wine tasting and we got to walk around. They make their bread there and they stamp it with an S in the bottom. And it was amazing. And it smelled heavenly and it had a nice crust to it. So after we were walking out, there was a lot of pieces of bread that people hadn't eaten. And we put them in our pockets and saved them for later. <laughs> I love the fact but that you were, that I love one, the fact that you were I, swiping bread off the table because it was that good. We were. A bunch of us did. Um, so that's a perfect example of the gentle walker one. So we got off the bus just like everybody else. And we walked over to, they had like a golf cart kind of thing set up with uh, seating in it. And um, instead of having to walk up the big hill. We got a train, like a train ride uh, to the top of the hill. So it just wasn't so much of a struggle for the people who maybe weren't able to walk up to the top of that hill. I was a little jealous as I was walking through Dernstein, watching the little like golf cart choo-choo train that was covered and you were like nice and warm and comfortable inside. And you're just sort of waving to me as you drive by. Um, I have a video of your face on that. <laughs> if I knew that was an option, I might have hopped on board. But but I yep. did. I, I really, yeah. really appreciated that. So nobody ever felt uncomfortable, left out, that they were going to slow down the group. Or more importantly, I can't do it because 
I just can't be as mobile or I can't walk that far. or I can't walk up steep hills. Um, One time. Yeah. One time they even um, called a a taxi for us. So basically we, so we didn't see a couple buildings, but we brought, we were brought right to the Christmas market. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, Lisa, what was your experience like? Um, So I think like, so many different moments come to mind, right? There's the restaurant in Hungary that you talked about initially that we were all sort of sitting around the table. And it was that like initial moment of like, oh my gosh, like we're really here and we're just like chilling in this like local pub, local restaurant in, in Hungary. Um, and then in Bratislava, I had like a very similar experience when we were all sitting in the pub and we're eating like this garlic <laughs> soup out of like a crusty bread bowl. And it was like a very local pub in this like ancient building in Slovakia. And we're just like chilling and having a beer and some soup. Um, so that was very cool. And our our guide going into Chechny Krumlov in the Czech Republic like deserves such a round of applause. She was, it, she was this incredible woman who had lived through the fall of communism um in that in like like and and basically like during this like one to one and a half hour ish um bus ride from Linz out to the Czech Republic she just told us her life story and through the life story like gave us the entire history in this sort of very real life context and it was just it was so amazing to listen to her because there's things that you've studied for so long but to be able to sit and listen to somebody who lived through it and it was their real life and they were really impacted by it was pretty amazing. Um, yeah. And, and Dernstein. I mean, that's like, I put my hand up too. It was my favorite place. And I, I, there's a few times in my life where I've like walked into a location and it's just completely vibed with me. Like, I feel like it was like New York city when I was in high school and like Florida, you know, at some point in my life. And like, when I set foot in Dernstein, I, I just had that feeling again. And just to be, to be like reminded that you can be around people who are just like, okay, with just existing and being and enjoying life. Like it was just such a great reminder, you know, just that that's an option. (laughs) I just, I just loved it there. It was so beautiful. And I too took pocket bread from the wine tasting. So Becky, it reminded me of of Orvieto where we went to in Italy. It's this small town that you've never heard of before. It's not this huge tourist destination, but you wanted to just, take your bag off with you and spend a couple of days there just like sipping on that amazing ginger tea in a little sidewalk cafe, just watching the locals go by. There was something wonderfully beautiful about it not being, and I don't think, and I really didn't feel this about most of the places. I never felt like I was walking into a quote unquote tourist trap destination, but this was the complete antithesis of that. This was a, a town where people lived and worked and and played and lived at that much slower, simpler place. And like Orvieto, I too also felt like I, I could have, I didn't get to spend enough time here. Not that there was a lot to do, but because there was nothing to do. Right. And that's the whole thing. I, I think that especially Americans, we have this, this particular thing that we have on our bucket list, right? I'm going to go to Paris. I'm going to go to London. I'm going to go to all of these different places. But this type of travel on a river cruise allows you to see places that would never be on your bucket list. You, you're not going to say, Hey, I think I'm going to go to Slovakia for my vacation. It just isn't something that, that comes across most people's lists. Um, so when you take an adventure, an excursion, a, a trip like this, you're exposed to areas and cities and people and experiences 
that you would never have thought would have had an impact on you. But those are the places like Orvieto and these locations that when you get home, these are the ones that you think about most, that you talk about most, that you remember most, that you have those those connections in your brain to having a very unique experience. And that's why I love this type of travel because it's discovery. It's finding things and little nooks and crannies and little cafes and things like Langos. <laughs> that I I need like twenty of those a day. I, well, I don't need one. I want them. That was that was probably the best thing that I ate besides the gingerbread, which for me, gingerbread and all any type of form is is going to be awesome. Um, but there were so many wonderful places. Budapest for me is. I, I, I prefer ending there rather than starting there, but it's one of the most unique, alive, historic cities that tells so many stories from both sides in Buddha and in Pest. Um, but obviously Salzburg is another one that is amazing to me. If you've never been there, if you are a Sound of Music fan, you have to see it. You have to go. Um, and in the right time of year, you also get to go up to the salt mines and ride the roller coaster in the salt mines, which is an option on the excursion. Um, and obviously, uh, the I, I really want to do the Czech Republic. I'm so jealous that you guys got to do that. Uh, but that's one of the things that when you work on these, sometimes you have to stay back and work on them. And uh, yeah, ex exactly, Louis. That was work for me. The um, the high water situation. I do want to to just touch on a couple of things, if you don't mind. A lot of people aren't aware of river cruising does have this high water or low water situation. So when they get a big snow like we did, uh, and then followed by really uh, high temperatures right behind it, the waters rise up. It, they do have some cool things like the bridge does break down on the top so that they can fit under a bridge, but sometimes the water is just too high. So there are it is expected on river cruising that you might get high water or low water. The cruise lines are very, very, very experienced in what they can do in those situations. Sometimes literally you change ships. People from a ship on one side of the bridge goes to the ship on the other side of the bridge. Sometimes you end up in buses. Sometimes you end up in places that you never thought was possible because they weren't on the itinerary. It's one of those things that you just kind of embrace when you take a river cruise is to say, yep, I'm aware high water, low water, it might turn into a different type of adventure, but you're still going to be able to experience the the location, whether it be via bus or via, via um, cruising to it. And the last thing I just want to, oh yeah, you were talking about mobility. Sorry to kind of go off, off track here too, but I also want to set an expectation. Europe is a little bit different when it comes to mobility issues. They don't have an ADA there. They don't have a lot of laws and rules like we have here in the U.S. So they don't always have a lot of accommodation for wheelchairs. Um, on board the ships, they really don't have wheelchair ability, but they do allow walkers. They have collapsible wheelchair. You, you can bring collapsible wheelchairs on some ships. Uh, they do have a lift that will take you um, to dining or to the, the main level or to your cabin. It will not go to the top. So they do require people to be able to transfer. Yeah. And it's, uh, again, that's why I think it's really important that you're able to sort of answer some questions and, and maybe we'll even do sort of a, after the show post, we'll do like a live show one Wednesday night where people have questions sure. about uh, river cruising. One thing, you know, one thing I think is I wanted to just mention, we, we sort of glossed over it, but I remember 
when Becky was like, okay, Becky here, you need to do a river cruise. We have to do the Christmas markets. We have to do the Christmas markets. I'm like, that's great. I love Christmas. I love cruises. You know, what a Christmas market is, I didn't know ahead of time. And, and I think somebody mentioned before too, I also did not, I did not do a lot of research ahead of time, which is very much unlike me. Usually I like to sort of know everything and be prepared. I wanted the element of surprise when I visited not just the, the the ship, but visited each of the multiple ports and destinations that we were going to go to. But Christmas markets, very, very simple explanation, um, date back like middle ages. Like this is, but Christmas markets back then were really sort of help people stock up on things that they would need when they got snowed in for months at a time. And they've evolved to celebrations during the Advent season, which are the four weeks that lead up to Christmas, that are local vendors and stalls setting up with food and drinks and 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 crafts, you know, seasonal crafts, oftentimes that are that are handmade seasonal crafts, which I, I enjoyed. Like I didn't see one souvenir shop anywhere that we went, right? And I nor nor was I necessarily looking for one because the things I wanted to bring home for friends, for family, for members of the nation, I loved buying at each of the different Christmas markets because each thing that I brought back was specific to the location. It was made presumably by hand in or around that town and really was reflective of it. But let's also just quickly mention the food. Like it was an opportunity to explore local delicacies. And I learned about things, like you said, Becky, the the langos, this hung, it's a Hungarian street food. You don't know that you need it until you have one. It's, it's a fried bread. It's a very like yeasty fried bread. And it's covered in a number of different things. We had one that was literally like painted on like with this garlic sauce and shredded cheese and it's warm and it's crunchy and it's soft on the inside, which was like perfect on some of these cold days with a little bit of glue wine. We had the chimney cakes, which I had never heard. Anybody ever heard of a chimney cake before? I had no idea. It, um, they were originally popular in, in like Romania. Like they go back to the, to the 1600s. And again, it's this sweet dough that's wrapped around like this cone shaped baking spit and then rolled in sugar. And then it's roasted the right way over charcoal. It's basted with melted butter. So it's healthy. And then it's sort of, it's, it's like this crunchy golden Brown. And then there might be um, coconut or walnuts or almonds or ground cinnamon put on top and, when it comes off and it's like steaming warm and you've got your glue wine and it's no man, I, those are nice days. Those are really somebody on our, I don't remember who it was, had like seven different chimney cakes everywhere we went and then came up with his own rating system of it. Um, I'm going to pronounce you Beatrice. Tell me when I pronounce these things wrong. We had the, the case case Spatzel, the sort of the Bavarian, like it's like German Mac and cheese. Um, the little noodle dumplings and that cheesy sauce with shallots and bacon were amazing. Um, we had roasted almonds. Again, the glue wine, this, this, it's sort of a, it's a, it's a hot red wine. I think it's also made with sugar and different spices and Becky and some of us, we were looking for gingerbread at some of the markets and we would get it and we're like, it's sort of like gingerbread, but it's not gingerbread. I came to find out because I was fascinated why I couldn't find it. It actually wasn't gingerbread. It's called Lebkuchen. 
and it's like gingerbread, but it's not the same. And this is sweetened with honey and spices. And sometimes there's little like fruits on it. And it's they're they're sort of decorated into some of the things that we tried that made it look like trees or stars or little round cookies. So like it was close to gingerbread, but it wasn't quite. So we were searching for something as opposed to just enjoying the thing <laughs> for what it was. But I love this idea of tasting local and, and regional specialties and food items that I, I think I think food is a way to connect us not just with each other, but with a culture. I, I really do. It's not just because I enjoy eating, but I, I do. I think it's one of the best ways to experience like truly what a culture is, is by eating what they eat, gathering around those tables in the middle of the markets with each other and with locals as well. It, it was one of the aspects of the cruise that I enjoyed most. I don't need to sit down. I would prefer to stand up and eat on a garbage can in Chesky Krumlov or Vienna at a Christmas market than sit down for a fancy meal and you're surrounded by people who are locals just sort of gathering as they do every season. I think especially going this time of year when the holiday spirit is in the air, it doesn't matter what faith you follow or what you believe, but these Christmas markets are just such local, historical, cultural, communal gathering places around our shared love of food and, and the individual tables that we join in or create for ourselves really was um, one of the things that, that I came to love about it. And what river cruising does is allows you to not just visit one or two, but multiple over the seven days of the river cruise. Uh, any Fan favorites of anything that you ate or tried, unique items, something that weird, Laura, you always eat out, out something that's outside everybody else's comfort zone. Uh, just quickly around the horn, the, the one of the things that you tried at a Christmas market that you really enjoyed. Oh, quesagrinas. What does that word mean? It was a sauce. Uh, it's a sausage with cheese on the inside. Yes. Wait, it had, that, so, it had cheese on the good. inside? On the inside. On the inside. Why didn't you, why didn't I not get a heads up on this? I didn't try. <laughs> One thing was weird too is when we ordered the sausage, they would ask us ketchup or mustard, and it never occurred to us to put ketchup on it. No, which was interesting. I would always right? just tell them, just do it the way it's supposed I to did. be. Do it the way you serve it to me, yes. the way you eat it. We went to oh, um, after the after the room cruise. We went to Munich, and I it was my first time trying hot eggnog oh. with rum in it. So. That was good. My favorite was that Käseschwätzle because I grew up with that being my favorite food, but it was made in such a different way that I had never tried it that way. There's the Bavarian style is more the cheese and my mother never made it that way. So that made my favorite food even better. But, uh, but there were so many things throughout the Christmas markets that were just delicious. Even the pretzels there are better than we have here. <laughs> so I want to just quickly say, because this for you was, there was a very personal aspect of this for you as well, right? Because of where you were born, where you grew up, and a lot of your family history and heritage, um, not just sort of geographically where you're from, but you know, even some of the things that you grew up eating. Just quickly touch on sort of from a personal level, what this trip meant for you and some of the places and things that you were able to connect to and do and, you know, embrace and, and express a lot of your, your personal heritage on this as well. 
Well, growing up, the food, my mother was a chef in Germany. Um, even the setting your shoes out every year, we did that. Um, she used to put fruit and things in there, not the yummy chocolate that we got this year. <laughs> but um, so things were different back in her day. Um, but it was just so nice connecting back to that heritage and being able to show my husband what my family was like, you know, growing older and getting married later in life. You, He never met my mother and got to experience some of that. So experiencing it with him, with my friends, um, the Oktoberfest, the music, my mother was always listening to the German music. So being able to experience uh, both the clarinet and the accordion. She always wanted to play the accordion. So those those sounds were just sounds that felt like home to me and the dancing. <laughs> yeah, because I, I mean, there were times that I saw you that you and I've known you for for almost 20 years. <laughs> you're you're very expressive and emotional and, and you you always have a smile on your face. But I also saw that there were things that were sort of impacting you emotionally. And I, and I loved that you had that and were able to sort of make that, re, you know, real connection. You know, when I, I've ever, my family's Italian, but when I went to Italy, I sort of understood that, but I, it was even more so for you. And that was one of the things, because when Becky and I do these cruises, especially, I know I only speak for myself. I love watching how other people are experiencing it. I want to make sure not only that you're having a good time, but I want to see the things that, impact you emotionally, whether it's touching on sentiment or nostalgia or history or heritage or just enjoying the time. And when I see people not just smiling and laughing and and dancing and singing and all the other things, but also being able to make a real connection to their own personal history. I thought that was beautiful and I loved and, and appreciated being able to to share that with you and watch you experience it. It was great to share. It was just nice to be able to feel like home and to share it with you all are my family. So it was nice. So look, there is, um, there's so much more that we can, we could talk about on these cruises because there's so many different aspects to it, but I really wanted to just try and convey the flavor of what the river cruise experience was like. Um, I, I would love for you to each just take a minute to go around the horn and give me your overall takeaway from the cruise? How did this impact your view of river cruising or traveling in general or traveling to other parts of the world that you might not have thought about visiting before? Um, Lori, Beatrice, Lisa, uh, John, and Becky. I appreciated the historic facts and the information and how I, it was interesting to me how each country that we went to or each neighborhood that we went to have rebounded from the war and recovered in their own special way. And still they had the same traditions to carry on and the love of their country and the love of the traditions. I appreciated that a lot. I loved the fact that even though we were in these countries that I never saw myself going to Hungary and some of these places, um, I still felt like I was in our little bubble of safety net. Not necessarily that it was 100%, you know, nothing's going to happen, but I felt so safe and nothing did happen. And we were in a group of friends and a guide and people who, of course, we looked like tourists in these places. We, you know, had um, people telling us all about the areas that they grew up, showing photos of them at five years old in 1969. And then here's what it looks like now. 
Um, it was just, we had this very beautiful moment with someone who could tell us specifically they've been there all their lives or when we were in the Abbey and, and they were locking doors behind us. I mean, literally this was just for us. You know, they were locking the doors after we walked out, like, let's make sure everyone's in here. You know, we're about to lock the doors and it's closed for the night. This is just us here. That's it. It, it was just so special. And so um, it, it felt like I was in my Disney bubble on the other side of the earth. <laughs> it really did. They took us to the airport. They brought us from the airport. They, they, it was just wonderful how protected we felt in our group in a place I never thought I would have been to, you know, Vienna and, and all the beautiful places, but it was, it was just great and great experience. My up. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think there's, you know, there's, there's that sort of touristy travel um, that doesn't maybe appeal to a lot of us where you're sort of in a place that feels like it's just catering to you and everything's factory made. And, you know, and then there's sort of fly on the wall type travel where you're kind of just observing from afar and watching and, and sort of taking in, um, you know, a new place as an outsider, but not being disruptive. And this to me wasn't really either of those things. This was felt like just being welcomed as family into someone's country and someone's home. And whether it was the crew on the ship or the tour guides or just sort of people that we met along the way that wanted to sort of show us their lives, I felt like very well taken care of and very welcomed and very sort of just embraced by these people. Um, and so to me, like, I, it was something that I've never experienced before. Like I said, like, I've been on sort of like vacations where you feel like a tourist and I've been on vacations where you feel like you want to just kind of be a fly on the wall and not disrupt anything and just sort of observe. And this just sort of felt like being welcomed home to a place I never really knew I would ever be able to visit. So yeah, it was just like a perfect marriage of so many things. Um, and I know like a lot of us have come home and tried to kind of recreate the glue wine or recreate the ginger tea and um, and kind of bring some of these things home with us that we that we saw and learned along the way. Um, yeah, and I'm just really grateful to have been able to go and to be to be able to go with you guys just made it that much more special. Mm-hmm. I agree with both Beatrice and Lisa. It it was so welcoming. It was so safe. I was amazed in Austria. Nobody that I encountered in Austria was unable to speak English. They all spoke English, so I had no trouble with communication. But altogether, I loved the variety of history, architecture, food, and culture all shared together with our group, with our family, which just enriched it that much more. What I loved the most, I think, because I I, I had done it several times. I had been on three river, four river cruises before this. And it, the anticipation and watching everybody's faces as you went through the process, like when you got off the bus and you realized, wait, there's no pat down security that I have to put all my stuff through. What? (laughs) You mean I just walk right on? What? Um, And the faces of each of you, because I kind of gave a primer to several of you. Like I remember seeing some of your faces when I said, uh, make sure to close your curtains before you go to bed. (laughs) Because of course they do tie ups, which means you might have a random um, other river cruise ship that might tie up right next to you at night overnight. So don't leave your curtains wide open. Otherwise it could be a show that you're not looking forward to. Um, but then talking to everybody afterwards on that last night 
And I, I was anticipating maybe one or two would say, mm, you know, this is not for me because it is so different. And everybody had pretty much done river cruise or sorry, ocean cruising before, but to talk to everybody and hear the experience and to say, oh my gosh, I didn't know what to expect. This is amazing. I want to do this again. Um, and the, the takeaways from each and every guest were right along the lines of everything that you guys have mentioned, that there was something you connected with. There was something special. There was heritage. There was food. There was something unique and special and different about this adventure that you've never had before. And to see that and to feel that and to know that everybody's like, yep, we want to go again. That meant the world to me. And that made the experience glorious for, for me. Yeah. You know, so I, I come at it like you, Becky, from two different angles, right? I come at it from the personal experience angle. And then as, you know, having, having our family, you know, sort of being in charge of our family. Like there's the, (laughs) there's the, 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 the parent in me that sort of wants to make sure everybody's having a good time and everybody's happy from a personal experience. I almost instantly fell in love with this cruise, not just this individual experience, but river cruising as a whole. It's different than ocean cruising, And that's not a bad thing. It is a different type of experience. It's a different type of relaxation. It's a different type of learning, culinary, educational vacation experience that it's not a matter of choosing one or the other. It's being able to, and if if you've ever been on the fence about river cruising, uh, whether you cruise with us or you cruise on your own, I highly recommend it. Plus two, if you're like, well, I can't take an ocean cruise because I'm I'm concerned about getting seasick. That doesn't happen here. This is a very slow moving <laughs> vessel. There are no waves. There are right. no storms that you have to worry about. Um, you know, the biggest issue you might run into is you can't get through one of the locks. So you just go to a different port because they can adjust so quickly. I love the intimacy of the vessel, the crew. I felt like I knew Raul the, the, the cruise director, like, I felt like he was part of our group, right? Because we, he was so accessible. He was so friendly. Everybody on board, the entire staff was amazing. Um, from a group perspective, I loved being able to watch people's individual experiences as well as our collective communal familiar type of shared experience together. Um, I, I was very quickly won over by river cruising and Becky, while we were on board, we sort of, you know, we've known each other long enough to give each other that look like, okay, when are we going to do this again? <laughs> um, you know, and I can safely say without fear of, I may have a plan, <laughs> you know, I'm not saying summer <laughs> on the Seine going round trip to Paris, possibly in the next couple of years is possibly on the table, but I'm also not saying that it's not. Hypothetically speaking, Becky, if we were to start, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a couple of days exploring and enjoying Paris, doing a river cruise on the Seine and then spending time in Disneyland Paris after may or may not be the worst idea at all. I'm not saying it's happening this year. Mm-hmm. I want to give time enough to to save your pennies, but Again, I became so enamored with this experience that not only do I want to do it again, but more importantly, I want to be able to do it with our our family. 
Uh, yeah, and I may or may not have already written a couple of emails to some suppliers to get some information on when we may or may not be able to do this. <laughs> and and this end, I'm just going to throw this out. That was my very first river cruise. And that's the one that is round trip Paris and it goes out to the Normandy beaches. So for anybody who has military families and that type of tie, um, it really is a uh, a moving experience. Plus you get to go to Rion, which is amazing. There are so many great things about sailing the Seine. And of course it's round trip Paris. Who doesn't love Paris? And then leaving from Disneyland Paris would be an amazing experience. So, yep, I'm looking forward to hypothetically maybe working on that. <laughs> well, my hope is that each of you who are on this call can join on that adventure. And then you, our friend who is listening at home, in the car, walking the dog, on the treadmill, at work, wherever you may be, will join us on a future cruise. I'm also going to share, I really, I was, I really wanted to be present on this cruise. And I spent, while I took a lot of pictures and a lot of videos, I didn't upload a lot because I wanted to wait to release some of those and, and put some of those together in conjunction with this show. So I'm going to share a lot of Instagram reels. I'll share on Facebook as well. I know a lot of you who I will link to in the show notes also shared throughout your adventure, photos and videos and reviews along the ways. I will link to each and every one of those to all of you who made this truly uh, one of the most remarkable and memorable vacation experiences of my life. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, the memories and the joy and the calories that I consumed on this cruise could not have happened without you. Um, so I love you. I appreciate you. I will link to all of your socials and your sites uh, on the show notes over at www.com this week. And the question I will leave you with is not just when can we do this again, but if you could snap your fingers quickly around the horn, snap your fingers and eat one thing that you experienced on the Rura cruise, what would it be? Go. Langos with the green onions. Langos with all the cheese, all, all the cheese. I mean, seriously, all the cheese. <laughs> Käsespätzle. What was that now? What was that word now? <laughs> Käsespätzle. Oh, is that the little potato dumplings that like the... Yes. I call, I'm mispronouncing as spätzle. It's an egg noodle, but yes, absolutely. That too. That's always been my favorite food, but the cheese made it better. Lisa? So I'd go with the like, I'll go with the langos too, but I'll take mine with the garlic, the sour cream and the cheese, which I think is the traditional. Oh, the sour cream. That was the best part. Yes. The cheese and the sour cream. Yes. How can you go wrong with cheese and sour mm, cream? Right. And fried I'll bread. I'll only say this. When we went to Buda Castle and we're going in the snow and we sort of were on our way back and there was that huge Christmas market stall of the sausages and the potatoes. The group was ahead of me. I'm like, dude, there's no way I'm leaving here without one of these. I was like, I just point. I'm like, I want that. And he's like pointing to the potatoes. I'm like, yeah, man, don't be shy. Put all the potatoes on it. He gave me this seven pound, like folded over thing of like dough and potatoes and sausage that I was like feeding people along the way back to the bus. It was amazing and delicious. And I would do it all again uh, as long as I could do it with you. So thank you guys again. So glad you oh, listened to it. me. She has to just. Yeah. <laughs> thank God for where would we be without Becky? I say that every day oh I go to God. sleep at night and I'm like saying my little prayers bedside and I'm like thank you Jesus for Becky where I don't know where we would be without her
it's time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where you can test your knowledge, not just of Walt Disney World history, but to see how well you pay attention to the details and what you see, hear, remember, maybe even taste. If you think you know the answer, you can enter for a chance to win a Disney prize package. And this week's trivia contest is brought to you by Factor Meals. Look, it's still early in the new year. Hopefully you are still sticking to, we're about to kickstart your New Year's resolution or goal or gains. I'm with you. And one of the ways I'm doing it is with Factor Meals. Look, I love to eat, but I am missing the cooking DNA or gene. So Factor's ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning and prep for me. I don't have to worry about going to the grocery store or prep work or very pricey meal deliveries from local restaurants. Instead, you get chef-crafted, healthy and delicious meals delivered right to your door with more than 55 different weekly add-ons. This past week, I got my Factor box because I will only ever endorse products and services and companies that I use and more importantly, trust and believe in and Factor is no exception. And I'll be honest, I'm Italian, I'm a little or very picky when it comes to Italian food. So when I saw the cavatappi and pork ragu and then Nona's Sunday beef bolognese, which is my favorite, I was both excited and a little bit skeptical. I read the ingredients and the nutritional information and I was like, there's no way this can be delicious and this healthy. And I was shocked and surprised at just how good they were. More importantly, the portion size was perfect so I can control not just what I ate with high protein and keto meals, but how much of it. And best of all, all I had to do was just pop it in the microwave for a couple of minutes. No cutting, slicing, dicing, measuring, prepping. Two minutes and it was done and cleanup was just as easy. All I had to do was throw out the serving container. It tasted good and I felt good and literally couldn't stop raving about it to my friends, including you. I'm actually ordering another box today and I'm gonna check out some of the snack options, breakfast, juices, and smoothies. So skip the phone app takeout trap. A factor costs just a few dollars per serving, so it's way cheaper and way more healthy than takeout. And what's great is that factor is flexible. You can change up your order every week. They have plans from four to 18 meals per week. You can pause, you can reschedule your deliveries anytime. And Factor has a special deal just for you. If you go to factormeals.com slash WDW50 and use code WDW50, you get 50% off. That's code WDW50 at factormeals.com slash WDW50 to get 50% off. So make a healthy, delicious, cost-effective, and easy decision and try Factor Meals for yourself. Now, before we get to this week's trivia contest, let's go back, review last week's, and select our winner. Last weekend, I and some other members of the WDW Radio running team and friends were cheering for the marathon at, at Disney's Boardwalk. And as I walked by Trattoria Al Forno, which I need to review one of these days, I was remembering when there was Cuisina by Iron Chef Kat Cora. But your question last week was to tell me, what was the name of the original restaurant in this location, if you entered and played, thank you very much for submitting your entry. Some of you even shared some stories about eating at Spoodles. Spoodles opened with the Boardwalk Resort on July 1st, 1996, closed August 1st, 2009, served Mediterranean food. It had this wonderful open kitchen and pita and dips and, and amazing seafoods and flatbreads. Unfortunately, like I said, closed in 2009 to become Cuisina by Iron Chef Kat Cora and then currently Trattoria Al Forno. Anyway, I took all the correct entries, randomly selected one. Last week, you were playing for the WW Radio 3D keychain, stickers, pin, and a bonus mystery prize. And last week's winner, randomly selected, is Annette Singleton. So, Annette, congratulations. I'll get your prize package out to you right away. If you played last week and didn't win, that's okay, because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. 
So I was talking to somebody over the weekend and the topic of Fantasmic came up, which I love over at Disney's Hollywood Studios at the Hollywood Hills Amphitheater. And you may or may not know that there are 10 different sections that you can sit in, all named after Disney characters, both heroes and mostly villains. Your question this week is to tell me what one section is named after a female Disney hero. What seating section is named after a female Disney hero at the Hollywood Hills Amphitheater? You have until Sunday, January 21st at 11.59 p.m. Eastern to go to www.radio.com. Click on this week's podcast. Use the form there. Again, you're going to play for the pin, the stickers, the keychain, and a bonus mystery prize. So good luck and have fun. I hope you enjoyed our look at our Nat Geo River Cruise expedition that it introduced you to the concept of river cruising, how it differs from ocean cruising, and maybe getting you excited about the possibility of taking a river cruise on your own or joining us in the future. I'd love to hear your thoughts. So please come be part of the community and conversation, talking not just about this week's episode, but anything in the Disney world over in the WW Radio Clubhouse on Facebook. It's www.com slash clubhouse. It is a warm, welcoming, very friendly and family-friendly community. I'd also love to connect with you elsewhere on social. I am at Lou Mangiello on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Post a little bit over on X. Please also make sure you subscribe to our recently updated WW Radio weekly email update over at www.com slash subscribe. If you have a question you'd like me to answer in an upcoming episode, you can email me, lou at www.com or call the voicemail at 407-900-9391. That's 407-900-WW1 with a question, a comment, a hello from the parks or your thoughts about this week's episode. And if you enjoy the podcast and community and live broadcasts, I invite you to come be part of the WW Radio Nation over at www www.radio.com slash support. There you can help support the show for as little as a dollar per month and get exclusive rewards every month like scavenger hunts, trivia quests, participate in our monthly group video calls, get access to our private Facebook group, their shirts, stickers, monthly care packages from the parks, early access and discounts to special events and much more. As part of the nation, you literally help bring this and everything that we do at WDW Radio to life. And I love being able to thank you and give back to you each and every month. And of course, don't forget that a portion of your contribution goes to our Dream Team Project to benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. I'd like to thank some new and longtime members of the nation family, including Gray Hauser, Kevin Holinsky, Cami Daniels, Kevin Shea, Anthony M., and Donald McCorvey. I love and appreciate you. And again, if you want to find out how you can help support the show, you can visit www.radio.com slash support. Thanks to everybody who got together this past week for our very impromptu mini meetup in Epcot for the first day of the Epcot International Festival of the Arts. If you want to find out about other upcoming events and group cruises, including our five-night Halloween on the high seas on the Disney Magic, October 21st through the 24th, out of Fort Lauderdale with a stop at Lookout Key at Lighthouse Point and or our Western Caribbean cruise on the Disney Treasure, February 8th through the 15th, 2025. You can visit our events page over at www.radio.com slash events or go to www.radio.com slash cruises. And in addition to everything I do here at WW Radio, I also want to help you elevate your journey to success. And as a keynote speaker and coach and organizer of events that are built on inspiration, 
education and community. I want to profoundly and positively transform your journey towards personal and professional excellence. My passion and my mission is to help spark your potential and guide you through transformative keynote speaking engagements, including leveraging practical and tactical lessons from the Disney parks, personalized coaching to help you turn what you love into what you do, and my momentum retreats, events, and workshops, all that are designed to help generate real results for you. So I invite you to please not just visit lumangelo.com, but reach out if you have any questions or are ready to take your next big step. There's a contact form there. I'm here to help, guide, and support you and turn your aspirations into achievements. Again, please visit lumangelo.com and let's start a conversation there. And as always, my friend, and you are my friend, whether we have met yet or not, all I ask is that if you like the show, please help spread the word, share a link to this or your favorite episode. If you can take just a couple of seconds to rate and review the show over in Spotify podcasts or Apple podcasts. And finally, thank you so much for spending and sharing your time with me. I know how valuable it is. I know how many choices that you have in terms of how to spend it. And I appreciate you allowing me to be part of your day, to be part of your life a little bit each and every week. I hope that you enjoy the show, that you learn something and maybe put a smile on your face. And as we wrap up this week, always remember that the greatest power that you have is the power of choice. Choose the good in the face of adversity, in the moments of decision and in your daily interactions and in how you treat and interact with others. Stay strong, keep smiling, stay positive and keep choosing the good. I love you. I appreciate you. So until next time, see ya. WWW Radio family. This is Emma from Orlando, and I am currently listening to your New Year's podcast. Happy New Year. I am like in the middle of it, but I had to pause and call because you were talking about all of the movies from this past year, and one that I thought was definitely not a letdown and was amazing, but was not actually listed, is Elemental. I absolutely love Elemental. I saw it in theaters, and then I have watched it on Disney Plus over and over and over. Uh, Wade and Ember are two of my favorite Disney characters of, of all time, honestly, at this point. And I just absolutely love it. I think it came out during the Barbie and Oppenheimer time, and so I think it got a little lost. Um, but I definitely think that it's a movie that has not gotten enough love that it deserves this year. So as I agree with you about some of the Marvel movies and some of the other movies that came out this year, um, maybe not the best. I definitely think that Elemental is one of those that's totally up there. And I'm so, so glad uh, that it's on Speak Plus so I can watch it over and over again. So if you haven't watched it, make sure you do. Um, and I can't wait to listen to the rest of the show. I just didn't want to forget. Got to have justice for Elemental. <laughs> have a great day, everybody. Um, Keep making magic. Thanks, Lou, for all you do.